Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It is the Anfield wrap after Liverpool got beat on penalties by Manchester City. I've just done one intro of this where I said we won. Uh, it's as though I wasn't really paying attention. But I had a lovely second half and we will talk about that. I am Neil Atkinson. I have got with me Andy Heaton, Neil Jones. I've got Mo Stewart and I've got Jay McKenna. We're going to be talking about a little bit about transfer, Simon Yule go, and we're going to have a chat about Liverpool trademark and Liverpool. All that is to come. But we will start with the football match. We will start with Manchester City 1, Liverpool 1. And I'll go Neil Jones first. Uh, feelings around the game, Neil, in that... There was more blood and thunder than I expected. Um, it was a more intense experience than I expected. I've come out mildly annoyed. Liverpool haven't ended up winning the trophy, but I'm arguably as annoyed that they don't get to share it anymore because both sides acquitted themselves well. Both sides were a credit. Yeah, it was a good game. A, a very uh, for a meaningless friendly, as a, as a lot of people have tried to term it. It, it was pretty pretty meaningful, I thought, in the, in the way that the two teams approached it. Second half, like you said, Liverpool much the better side. I would go so far as to say they absolutely battered City in the second half in terms of just about every other, every metric, the eye test, the, the um, shots on target, possession, corners, all that. All that. City, but for Kyle Walker's toenail, lose, lose the game. It's unbelievable <laughs> defending, isn't it? I mean, yeah. he's the least favourite City player and he's done something unbelievable there. He's a, that's a brilliant piece of play. But um, on another day, Mo Salah takes home just about every match ball that Wembley had. I, mean, he, he, I think he had more shots than City, didn't he, in the game, on his own. I think he had 10, City had 8. Um, any other day, I think Salah's walking away with a hat-trick, minimum. But um, missed chances come back to bite them, and, and then obviously a penalty shootout, which I felt was a bit of a free hit at the time. I thought I felt like either side wouldn't have minded losing on penalties, really, because the, the actual game itself showed... I think both teams that they were they were still going to be strong this season. They're still going to be competing with each other, and um, I think from Liverpool's point of view, it was very encouraging. Encouraging, I think, is your takeaway, Mo. Uh, mm. I was most definitely encouraged. I wasn't that encouraged on twenty minutes, if I'm being honest. Yeah. I didn't feel, you know, I didn't feel as though Liverpool were ready for a season. By the time the the penalty shootout starts, I'm thinking we're going to absolutely slam Norwich on Friday. <laughs> I thought it was it was that that journey. The players found themselves a little bit, and I think the intensity of the game ratcheting up mm. in heart before the game. I was saying, I, re- I reckon both managers could do without this. After the game, I suspect Klopp's made up his players have got that in his legs. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it does us all well to remember that the Murrayfield was only seven days ago and the, the difference between that performance and this one was night and day. You're right, the first half was a little bit shaky. City started sharper than we did. Uh, having watched it back a couple of times since though, I put a lot of that down to us playing the high line at the defence. I think if you look at the goal in particular and a lot of the other instances where City got in behind, it was because of someone had maybe stepped up a millisecond too late or someone wasn't paying attention. I think their goal in particular, I think is really interesting around it because all of the noise is about how Liverpool weren't ready, it was sloppy play, all this kind of stuff. The irony being of the fact that we took advantage of something very similar to that against Barcelona. But if you look at it, Salah doesn't run back with Kevin De Bruyne. They're all offside. And I guarantee you that intention was to make them all offside. But Salah, he he switched off in one second and the whole thing fell apart. But 
as the game progressed, uh, I think Fabinho got you more used to the high line. I think Gomez's recovery speeds really showed up again. It's sort of been a real. It's a big second half from him, isn't it? Yeah, and I think there was that moment where he got robbed of the ball from Sterling, so that would have been in his head early. And Sterling was a threat for most of the game, but again, the way he grew into it, I thought was fantastic. But yeah, by the time we got to about the point of our equaliser I wasn't really thinking about City anymore I was mainly thinking about Norwich and thinking good God they must be shitting themselves watching this game uh, Andy the one thing that's interesting for both sides Neil said before second half Liverpool got right on top of City battered them I think it must be hard for both managers to sort of work out by the time you get to October you know how fit all your players are and you know how fit they are in context of each other and I think there's a little thing there where what you were actually seeing at times on the pitch was different players at a different phases of a recovery from from the summer and I think that that, that I, I thought you saw City's legs go first en masse but I think you saw both sides no one quite knew who could make the run who could make the press who couldn't and I thought that was the case first half for Liverpool as well it was one of the reasons why I thought Liverpool's play was uneven yeah I think that both sides were a bit ragged in spells weren't they I think it's fair to say um, it, I, I think first half I think you're absolutely spot on I thought, I thought City could have been two or three up I think they had a spell after the goal where our head didn't fall off a little bit, but it, it, it took us time to get it back together. And I think they got in in behind about three or four times in the space of about ten minutes. And if, if uh, you know, bit of last ditch defending, which isn't like Liverpool. Liverpool don't really do last ditch defending, and we saw a lot of last ditch, uh, last ditch tackles in the area, clearances, etc., etc. Um, but yeah, as you said, I think the game found the rhythm, and I think Wembley itself is a bit of a weird one because it's such a big pitch. And Liverpool typically have... I think that's Liverpool's best performance at Wembley, to be honest. Especially second half. And uh, No, it, it's, it's a bit of a weird one. It, 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 I don't think they planned on it being as moody as it got. as it got, And then it got moody. And then everyone was on the toes. And then it, it suddenly got... It's become a proper game. Then, become it? a proper game from about 30 minutes in. And it was great. It was great. It was, it was a better game than what I was expecting. So, yeah. Um, their goal, I'm a little bit disappointed in the goalkeeper. A little bit disappointing the goalkeeper. David Priest interesting on Twitter saying it's actually harder sometimes if they miss hit or they hit into the ground than it is if he just strikes it clean. Oh, absolutely, because you set yourself, you set yourself, and you prepare yourself for what what the, 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 the strike's intent is. But if he miscues it, then the striker can't possibly know but what it, he's going to do either. But I just yeah. think it. I just think having got a hand on it, he should scoop it out. But then he make, he makes up for that with a, with a couple of well, a, a, the one on one second half with Sterling, which by the way we we'll get on to it. Have you seen what why why Sterling puts it straight at him? Why? If you watch the goal back, and I've only seen it back a couple of times, but I think Sterling's anticipated. In Sterling's head, he's going to square it. Yeah, he's going to square it. He goes to touch it, doesn't he? Van Dijk gets to the line, and Van Dijk's right across the line. So we completely at the same time when Kyle Walker's just getting forward. It's the same as it's Van Dijk knowing his players, isn't it? Van Dijk knowing. I don't think Sterling. Sterling Sterling doesn't want to shoot. Sterling. So he's going to try and pass to him. So I'm going to cut that pass off. I'll go do the Sissoko. I'll go stop pass on thing. Yeah. And if he puts it on the goalie, sound great goal. Well done. Fair enough. It, it's something on the goalie there is interesting because same with Matip's header. Claudio Bravo looks like he's doing a starfish and you think, what are you doing there? If Matip heads that anywhere else than where he does and not everyone's thinking Matip's going to head it down at the goalie's feet that close to the goal because you don't get taught to do that playing football. Bravo probably saves that and you're wondering how he saved it or why Matip's missed it. So, you know, it's one of them. Sterling's not signing it, that shot. In the same way Van Dijk hits like the bar. A, side, a bit like that with you and goal, really, yeah, mate. You know, exactly. just wonder how it's swearing past them. But you know. <laughs> That's the only way you're going to get no. past me, innit? Yeah, well, so too many of them get past you. Carry on. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Question, Neil. Jay, on how it feels... Uh, <laughs> to play with Andy Eaton behind you in goal. Absolutely not. I, I know how awful that is. <laughs> uh, on how it feels to uh, to 
to feel like you've left one on them, but again, not got the results. And that's my only little lurking thing. We're now, last three times we played them now, you know, all three games have been tight. They're always going to be. I mean, that was really open, but it was still tight in terms of the result going to penalties. Liverpool can come away feeling like we've got something there, but I think it'll be significant for City as well that yet again, they've had an intense game from Liverpool. They've shown tons of fight. They were shattered, but they showed tons of fight. Things like Kyle Walker clearing it off the line, not to get the result, you know, in the end. I reckon everyone will be looking at that. And it should send a message to the pool about how good you've got to be again this season and how good Man City are as a team. Because there was even the sense of it being a friendly, but then there were, you know, it was getting put on them. City just like it and it is because of their coaching, it's the it's the Guardiola impact are almost at times calmness personified. The they play football like they are playing within themselves. And I don't think they are, but they you know, they they get put under pressure, you know, they, they give the ball away, Salah has a chance. But then they still just keep yeah, doing the same thing. They don't panic. They don't change. Nothing they do. De Bruyne makes runs between the lines where you think he's not very fast. He, you know, but he's just smart runs. He looks knackered every time he's made one of them runs, but he just keeps doing it. Rodri looked like he's just played football for them forever. Everyone's. I'm thinking to myself, it'd be nice if they miss Fernandinho a bit here and people and, and other teams. Yeah. I thought. I, I thought. I, I thought Rodri had a difficult second half. I but, thought he had second half but, of going. What on average, earth is this? But I wanted. Average, no, but, 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 but I wanted them to look like they missed Fernandinho yeah. in that sense yeah. because I think City last season looked weak when they when they didn't have Fernandinho and every time Fernandinho got a knock, we're all thinking <laughs> yeah. a game out here will be Sammy. Don't want it to be serious, but a game out here will be Sammy. And Rodri looked like he's just going to come in and play football yeah, for them, better and, better, it, and he'll get better. Yeah, he, he, he's happy to just take the ball. He didn't look like. He was massively struggling, and I think there's just something in how good City are as well that we've got to remember. How good they are. I want to do this briefly, Neil, because it's probably the last chance you'll have to be nice about them uh, the <laughs> season. But what, again, last season, what impressed me, we know how good they are. We know the technical ability. We know the organisation. We know the class. You know, Sterling's a brilliant footballer. But yet again, the thing that doesn't get talked about enough, and maybe it's because of the money or other stuff, the togetherness is, mm-hmm. I just think it's so impressive. I think it would be the easiest thing in the world to feel like they're all this or they're all that and make little remarks and call them the glamour boys. They absolutely graft for one another like like we do, you know what I mean? The, yeah. the togetherness is the bit that always gets glossed over and it's so impressive. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You look at excuses why City won't win the league this season. What what would you think for a great team? What, what, what was Barcelona's undoing when Guardiola was there? <laughs> Took their eye off it a little bit. Probably won't happen, will it? They're not going to take their eye off it. Are distracted by other competitions? Don't think so. Maybe maybe when it gets down to the Champions League. Players ageing. Players ageing. Possibly, yeah. But then you've got Gabriel Jesus. You've got Rodri, young lad. You've got Sterling, young lad. What 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 could what could take City's eye off the ball? I think the only the only thing I can see is is Guardiola. Is, is, is losing the Guardiola. I think that's the only thing that can stop City's rise would be losing the man who, who brings it all together and you know apart from his kecks he gets pretty much everything right doesn't he I know and, and he's got half of them on today <laughs> see but, um, that's a lovely take that <laughs> been to sports direct have you yeah. <laughs> at least you've got the, you know the right they're the right way to wear them aren't they not, not, not full length you know what I'm not, not full length at Wembley I, I, I genuinely thought he looked like a backing dance for all saints but I saw, I saw a, a tweet that said he, he, he realised he'd forgot his tool belt <laughs> do you reckon I'm genuinely getting onto this because I didn't think this do you reckon them pockets on the front are real or are they just for show? Oh, they're no. one of them, you get them and you think, oh, I'll just stick my foot. Oh. He'll, have his, he'll have his Wembley lanyard in there. He? <laughs> yeah. he needs a Wembley lanyard. But in all seriousness, uh, in juxtaposition to the calmness of the team was Pep. I mean, 
he was all over the place in that game. And he got booked. He was having Jordan arguments. in front of them. Yeah, he was having arguments yeah, with Ro- Robertson. He was yeah. saying something about, I think, the, where the Bruyne basically just decided he wanted to let Phil Foden come onto the pitch, so just went down with Cramp and Liverpool kicked it out. And apparently City was shouting about it and I think Robertson, you know, he and Andy Robertson decided to have an argument with Pep Guardiola about it and tell him he was wrong and Jordan Henderson decided that he wasn't going to sit on the bench. And but Jordan Henderson marched over and I think says, you know when, when one of ours was down before and you just decided to have a four on one? Yeah. <laughs> you might want to have a biggie, one, bit, yeah. of, bit of hypocrisy here, boys. But, but that's it. It's the, 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 the calmness, the rationale. It all went out the window. I mean, look at his reaction to the 50-50 with Silva and Gomez where he's trying to intimate that Gomez was kicking out at him and he literally was doing nothing of the sort. And you wonder, that intensity in him is obviously built to keep the players on their toes and to keep them going. But does it get to a point where they're like, bloody hell, I wish he would just calm Shut down. Shut up, mate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like your dad's shouting at me exactly. all the time. Yeah. It's like the, the, the emotional tension built up and maybe that's what they need to get to that point but eventually you can boil over what what I find interesting with this is very much the, the shades of almost Ferguson with United here and I think you know you talk about this calmness and this togetherness I think that some of that might be fueled by the narrative around City because mm. okay. they always want they want to be loved and they've got it into their heads that you know it's just oil money it's this it's yeah. you know everything just given to them on a plate it's just assumed that they're mm-hmm. going to win and I think that's really really stung them um I think maybe if they were getting hearts and flowers and all that, maybe that that would affect it in a different way where they believe that you, you mentioned Barcelona before. Barcelona knew they were the best yeah. and everyone loved them. So then is, is it easy to go stale? Whereas, they, you know, you can see it and that, maybe that's why Guardiola maybe he's using it to kind of fuel fuel it a little bit. I and think. he does that intentionally. He's yeah, got said that he wouldn't have the money for Maguire. It's like, all right, mate. <laughs> I think Barcelona, Barcelona were more vulnerable than City because of the league they were playing in. And, and so they were they were so dominant in, in a, a league like La Liga that when it when it got to a stage where you come into a, a fired up into Milan in the Champions League with Mourinho in charge, they, they weren't used to it. They, it, was, it, was a, it was a completely new sort of concept to them that, shit, these are, these are like... These are gonna kick us and, and and bring us down every time we go forward. You know this this isn't this not what we're used to. We're used to Levante going four 0 will be a great result today. So they're used to that, and I think at least City are, are more capable of dealing with those kind of challenges. Kept honest because, because they kept honest. Although I do think there were signs last year in some games well, that, that some teams were starting to get into that mode of what's the point of playing mm-hmm. City? You know, we, we may as well. But City also get into a bit of woe is us at times. Guardiola does an awful lot and I think he does it intentionally but there is a danger where it almost becomes they will get it, they'll get, it'll adversely affect yeah. them either from the reaction they get from other teams or other teams yeah. thinking we can get at these here and annoy them and frustrate them and get them off the get mind. Arsenal of the game. a bit like that, weren't they? Arsenal were like yeah. the great side, weren't they? Invincible Arsenal. But I think they did suffer, I think, because of Wenger a little bit because he was... You know the whole. I mean, funny when you look back at like f- narratives that went on, but the whole I didn't see it thing, and then you know a lot of red cards. Arsenal got. I think a lot of people started to to go from what a great side to these do me head in these. I really want to you know I want to get right in amongst these, and, and we'll you know we'll, we'll wind Vieira up and we'll do this and we'll do that. And I think Arsenal suffered a little bit. You know, maybe City, maybe Liverpool suffered the same sort of sort of uh, issues. Well, I think there's something, Andy. I think there's a couple of things there that Tim's and Neil saying in terms of people having a little look at us. We mentioned De Bruyne's clever runs, but I think often you we talk in football, often your greatest strength, your greatest weakness. Liverpool kept a great line last season, but I do wonder whether or not people have been doing a bit of work over the summer looking at that line. Uh, I'm wondering if this is something that you can exploit. Certainly in an era of VAR. 
the goal, uh, the City goal, comes, I think, from from the last man run, coming mm. round the back. Again, something we've talked about, you keep the high line from set pieces. But the number of times City were getting in, I thought, was very influenced by by the idea that they were just making a third man run, a late run, and being able to play the ball. I think, no, nah, I disagree. Uh, I think it was literally just sharpness, a lack, lack of concentration. We've had this discussion loads of times, the amount of goals that have scored after an incident where you can take the eye off the ball. So, they, City were down to 10 men. They, they, um, it was a... Uh, there was an injury going on. I just don't think it was pre-season, not pre-season, I just think we switched off. Um, and I think you could it could also be adversely affected if you start worrying about stuff like that. Mm. Liverpool do it and do it very well. If Liverpool do the job properly yesterday, City don't score. End, end, of, end of story. I it, do think that people are going to start looking at trying to exploit the high line though because it was something that worked really well for the beginning of last season under Gomez when Gomez was alongside Van Dijk. And you do sense that it's something that we will only do when Gomez is alongside Van Dijk. I'm not so sure we'll be playing that high with Matip. But you can try it. What I'm saying, you can try and exploit it. But if the, 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 the fact of the matter is, if Liverpool do their job If you properly, do it right, yeah. it will And work. also, the fact of the matter is, you're not playing every day against the player who can play that pass. So you, you can have a third man run of uh, Timu Pukki or whoever plays for Norwich, but you haven't got a midfielder who can go and Harch on Francis who's going to impress Liverpool done this I think it was an intentional thing to do playing City and City were just very good at executing it yesterday yeah. in the first half second half Liverpool were much smarter at cutting yeah. it out City were then doing the same though a few times Kaita tries to play the ball into Origi but it just doesn't get there partly yeah. because of the pass played partly because of Origi's run as he hasn't made the right run but you're going to play like that against them teams you're almost going to say to them go on we dare you to try and get through us and if you get through us sounds you're going to have them chances we'll let you have them chances this is going to be that game but we'll do it back to you if we pinch the ball there yeah. we'll be on to you and in the second half that worked we were a bit deeper but the second half how many times did they try and play a pass or break and we'd pinch it off them and Lallana a couple of times Robinson running with the ball getting yeah. forward and getting right into their half within seconds so you know, I think I, th- I think it was just a tactic, just risk, playing risk City as well. Yeah, and, and even then, if you xg the life out of that goal, you could replay. You could do that ten times. It probably would score once. You look at the you look at the actual incident itself. So you got the distraction from the injury. You have the, the free kick over the miscue from Sterling. Would Alice normally say, but yes, you know, mm-hmm. would, it's would, a hell of a flick as well. Isn't it's it? a, yeah, exactly. How, how many things have got to come together for that to actually result in a goal? The only thing I'd say, and I'd take your point, but this is back to why I think there's a little bit of a plan. They play two passes behind themselves deliberately. They know they've broke the line, and then they play two passes backwards, knowing that anyone who advances at that point, yeah, anyone Mm. who comes back, who passes back at that point, will be on. That's what I mean when I'm saying. So they know Liverpool. If they get the first bit right, they know Liverpool have got to have got to recover ten yards to then get back in front of the ball. But Neil, what what I'm saying is, I think Liverpool are happy to take that risk. I do as well. If if we play this out 10, 20, 30 times, we're happy to concede it once or twice out of thirty because we know twenty eight times out of thirty. Well, well, fine. The, the other thing I think about the higher line tactic is that in those instances where it looks like to the opposition they might be able to get that, I say it's like, well, we just got to get it wrong once and we're in. So it's almost like they become a little bit more adventurous yeah. and then we can yep. get around them and then yeah. there's more space and, for us. And also, people, people, a lot of people talk about VAR, don't they, and say, oh, you know, now VAR's come in, that, that'll make it easy. It won't. Because there'll be as many times when you're just off and you get away with it than there are when you're just on and you don't. So it, it will it will just be the same. It'll just be more 
it'll be more absolute. Of, but it'll also be more of the ball ending up in the back of the net, and that's psychologically a little bit difficult to deal with. That's yeah. so because this yeah. the the, the latest the flag put the flag up. And no, the ball ends up in the back of the net. We then see what happens next. It then gets there was Sterling's one, wasn't there, when he hit the post in the second half? Yeah, yeah that, that, that was sort of like, it felt... I, that I would didn't have been even, VAR. I didn't even realise. Mm. You know, I was like, oh, Sterling gets the post. No, the flag was up Yeah, once he did the post. I uh, want to talk about some... Come back onto the goal, and we'll talk about our goal as well. Uh, some big performances, Jay. Um, Salah, there'll be some people saying, could maybe look to find someone a little bit more. I loved it, to be quite honest with you. I thought... You know, to think he's had 45 minutes against Leon and then does that against Manchester City. You know, I thought I thought Otamendi played well under the circumstances because yeah. the circumstances were his, probably the hardest game he's going to have all season apart from when he plays Liverpool. Sa- Salah, S- Salah's an, uh, uh, not a very good goalie away from a hat-trick, as Neil says there. You know, there's a couple there where it comes back inside. The one that is the post, you know, not you can nearly do, but he's beat the keeper there. But there's one that Bravo, the one that Bravo gets down to, it's like... He scores that. Near post. It's near post. Bravo, just it's a very good save. It's coming through people. Bravo gets down very well for that. And it was almost like Salah knew. There were, there were lots of times when you're watching on a cellar, you're looking at Salah and you're thinking, they're showing you the far corner. They want you to hit the far corner. And Salah knew that. Salah's not taking the easy option there because he's knowing you're trying to get me to shape there because keeper's got a better chance of getting across to it. So I'm going to come back in on you. And he actually, and you know what? I, I, I like that he's hungry. I, I like because mm. we're not going to have Mane, you know, probably for, for Norwich or, and, and maybe a couple of games. Not back up to speed so you know Salah's like no the responsibility's mine I'm going to keep doing it and you know I, I, I'm pleased with that what I, what I liked yesterday as well and I don't think we saw, we saw so much of it last season the season before he was committing players yes yeah. committing players a lot more and he looked stronger that like, low centre of gravity I'm not sure why it didn't happen last year whether it was deliberately whether it was tactical or whatever but he, he looked like he had the bit between his teeth yesterday and he, and he was taking players on he was almost daring players to tackle him I mean the amount of time we just told him to take two or three players on yesterday and it feels like I'm not saying he died the poor season last season. I'm not saying that at all, but it just seems to be more like the most solid mm-hmm. of yeah. the previous season. I think he he was aware that there was going to be a lot of on his shoulders. There were people who were looking at him to see how he would react. To see, like you say, if he is going to be that most solid, and he was ready for it, and he was more than ready to go out and prove it. But I liked the fact that. It felt like he'd looked at the way people were trying to play him last season because everyone tries to get really close and tight to him. And he was like, okay, if you're going to do that, I'm going to come all the way out here. I'm going to come as wide as possible. So if you want to get tight, there's going to be spaces in behind. And you can see Henderson earlier on in the game and as the game went on, Lalana and Cater getting oh, into those spaces. And that's when we can start to overload people in the box. And that's where chances come. So even if he's not putting the ball away himself, the danger that he's creating in that defence is going to cause other goals for other people. And Outstanding. He was, he was absolutely, he was brilliant from start, almost from start to finish, apart from, apart from the finishing. He was, you, you look at, just, just let, there's no goals in the game, it's 0-0. Who, who was in charge of that game? Kevin De Bruyne for City and, and Salah for Liverpool. They were, they were the ones that, that, that did all the, had all the threats, carried all the danger and, you know, he's he buries his penalty, so I don't think he's struggling too much in terms of confidence. You know, he, he puts that in. I don't think he's a particularly good penalty taker, Salah, but that's the best I've ever seen him take. Yeah. He, it's a really good effort, the one that Walker gets off the line, because he's probably you could say he should score the first one, but once it's bounced to him, it's the only way he takes some heading. It mm. takes some heading, and he, you know, I don't think you can you can hold it against him that it doesn't get over the line. You have to give it credit to the defender, and. People say, "Oh, you should pass it. You should pass it." 
they said that he should pass it at Southampton last season when he runs through the middle of the pitch and he's got to give it to Firmino he's got to give it to Firmino get in Mo he's took the top off you know that, that's, you've got to you've got to give him that, that that respect to say no you do it Mo you, you can do it you, you're the top goal scorer two years running you're the, you're the man don't worry about it he'll get four against Norwich Top goal scorer two years running, get four against Norwich. You walked in the office this morning, Andy, and said to me he's going to score 40. I, how anyone could have just watched that today and not go... I, honestly, top goal scorer. I'd be amazed if someone scores more goals than him this season. Genuinely Only amazed. Stop him. Only injury will stop him. Yeah, no, completely agree. Completely agree. I, I don't... Uh, I, I, I just hope he's, he's given that freedom against Norwich because I think it, it's... Uh, I'm not saying Norwich is a big all-on-end-all, but I just think Norwich is one of them games we put a marker down if we're looking forward to it. And I think it, it's one of those games, again, where... If he, if he, if Liverpool score early or if Mo scores early, it could be a cricket score and set yourself up. Mm-hmm. And I think if he gets a flying start, I think that can only be positive for Liverpool. Like, I, I cannot wait. I, I cannot wait for Friday. I, I think here's the thing you, the you said about that. Salah yesterday. Is he probably found teams not doubling up against him last season early on because he had that fantastic season. He had players doubling up against him, and that left space for Mane. And Mane had a fantastic start because Mane's had a fantastic season. You wonder if it'll almost be yeah. in people's minds that oh, Mane, is Mane's Benitez the threat, Mane's blanket. the threat, Mane's yeah. the threat, and they'll go to Mane. And Salah's gonna be like, "All right, Salah, I've yeah. got to show you what's the matter here." And Firmino looked right on it as well yesterday, didn't mm-hmm. he? So which always brings out an extra 20 percent out of Salah and Mane if, if he's if his touch is there and he's getting into them positions. Well, near the scores, the greatest goal when we when we Oh God, that was gorgeous! Yeah, yeah. Control turn and flip. Yeah, yeah. That was gorgeous, Mo. I thought you saw second half. I thought it was Firmino and Henderson who upped the tempo for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. I thought on that side of the pitch, Harrison people pushing right the way on. It's interesting, for instance, when the manager takes off Fabinho, he moves Wijnaldum into the yes. six. He doesn't move Henderson. Uh, it looked that I thought that they, you know, it was scruffy at times from Henderson. I think he lets two go into touch. Really, really soft first half, and you're a bit like, come on, lad, you've got to be better than this. Mm-hmm. Second half, he was. Yeah, he was, and I wasn't sure whether the lack of intensity and pressing in the first half was a tactic or whether it was just we were off it. But it definitely increased second half, and I, th- I think Henderson feels better when he's at that kind of perpetual motion level. He's always having to do this. It felt a little bit like he had a little eye behind him earlier on, and then, like you say, when Fabinho went off and he was. Um, when one Adam was playing at six, he did seem like he was a little bit more energised. But also, again, I think Cater and Lalana in particular took the, that and ran with it when they came on, and they were like, "We can see the the effect that it's having on City. We can see that they're starting to tire. This is our time to come in." Perpetual motion. He says Henderson's better with perpetual motion there, Jay. I think that that goes for all of them. I think the you know I think. Liverpool played more controlled football last season. We definitely all saw it. It was definitely all there. But there are times and there are moments in certain games, for instance, the 15 minutes after half-time against Chelsea last season, yeah. where having the ability to say, right, we're at, we're not just going through the gears now. We are just a top well, gear and watch yeah. this. I think you see that. And I think that you see that in a lot of those players. Lallana and Keita are great examples. Se- seconds after, was it just a noticeable pattern continuously where... The Liverpool would win the ball back at centre half. They'd pass it into the midfield, and then everybody was in front of them, but nobody was in any one position. Something we said before about Salah in the midfield, as I really enjoyed seeing yesterday, was the amount of times they'd gone into the box. They ran past the forwards. Part of our problem in, in past seasons has been we've given it to the three and asked, waited for the three to do something, mm. and then usually give it back to midfield for them, them to give it to one of the three in the box. Whereas instead, yesterday, we were like, no, like there's just like a six, and they're just all doing what they want. They're, they're just up, they're everywhere, and that's there's like a degree of trust in you getting back, you know, that you're all it, it's almost a bit like the way Rogers used to get Liverpool to play football in, in that, you know, you had the defenders and then you had attackers, and then it yeah. was just do what you want. Okay. Whereas, and 
I think City found that hard because what Liverpool done is they cranked it up a bit and then it was just like, come on then, figure, figure us out now. And I just don't think City yeah. could. And I think that's why you could end up battling like Norwich on Friday. I think a good thing as well is it, what the fullbacks weren't really that that prominent in the game. Really, you know, it wasn't it wasn't all through Robertson and Trent. It, mm-hmm. I mean, they were they were doing what they were doing, but I, it was one of the worries I had in pre-season was teams are gonna teams are gonna sit on them too now, aren't they? You know, if they if they're not the they're stupid, aren't they, to, to not do that? So Liverpool are going to have to find other ways. They had to find other ways with Salah getting doubled mm-hmm. up on last season. They had to find other ways when teams set out to solely stop Firmino getting on the ball and that kind of thing. They'll probably have to deal with teams now putting sort of defensive strikers around Fabinho, stopping him, stopping mm-hmm. him getting on the ball. But it looks like they've got yesterday. other options, doesn't it? And we seen that yesterday, though, didn't we? Yeah. De Bruyne plays. Yeah. I know he plays on the right, anyway, but but he almost occupied that space between centre half and yeah. left back mm-hmm. that made Robinson have to Robinson, keep thinking yeah. about that, which kept him quiet. And, Ster- but, and Sterling switches, and, Sterling, flanks, yeah, yeah. and Sterling switches, but Sane and then Sterling's playing in Sane's position, which keep, makes mm-hmm. keeps Trent occupied. But we still. Look like we can go toe to toe with City on that respect. So that's I, not a bad thing for us. I think we're already beginning to see what we're going to do to combat that. Is that if they do try to block out wide, we've got three centre halves now who are really good at passing the ball and are really good at the making passes through any press. I mean, Gomez did it a lot yesterday. Matip start done it towards the end of last season and Van Dijk has been doing it a lot and a lot of the time Van Dijk will either be trying to find Salah out wide or he'll be happy to just find the midfielder and to make him turn On Gomez Andy getting to that showcase of his recovery pace three or four times in the second half I think is is massive for Liverpool listen he ends up at right back and he he makes those recoveries from right back Liverpool needs to have very very switched on defenders everywhere uh, against Manchester City but maybe not against eight or ten of the sides they play and certainly at home and him being able to have that recovery pace at any time on the pitch to me he looked tremendous yesterday and you can see the asset he can be to Liverpool it's food for thought isn't it it just allows, as you were saying, it just allows Liverpool to think a little bit differently against certain sides as well. You know, it allows it to say, listen, Joe Matter had a magnificent last few months of the last season. Um, and I'd, I'd even go so far to say if we were playing, if we were playing Man City next week at Anfield, I'd argue that I'd still start Matter better than Joe Gomez. But to have that option where you can push, push higher and, and keep teams penned in, the likes of, I mean, if you look at the Goodison Derby, for instance, where... I think maybe we didn't put as much pressure on them as, as we might have done, because you'd have you'd have got that thing where we, you know you can get them, especially when you commit your fullback so so high up the pitch and you're depending so much as Neil was saying on your fullbacks to attack. And he has got that, and I hope he. He's, we were talking. It's easy to forget before before he, he broke his leg, and it, the, the other thing about him, people say he's injury prone. He's not. He's had impact, really bad impact injuries. Um, people talking about him being England centre half for the next. Yeah, yeah, five, five to ten years, and you can see that in him. And uh, yeah, I, I just think we've got not an embarrassment of riches, I wouldn't say, but I think it's uh, we've got options there. And I don't think I what I suppose what I'm saying is there's no drop off now with centre halves. Normally, when you have a squad game, you think for so long with Liverpool, especially mm-hmm. under Benitez, where you first 12, 13 players, you go, yeah, brilliant, but then the drop off to the rest of them was a chasm. Mm-hmm. Whereas now you're like, well, you could. You could form an argument for any of them to get in. I thought the surprising and good thing about the game yesterday was that I thought Gomez was actually looked a bit more competent attacking from fullback. He looked a bit more comfortable. Yeah. He was able to take take the ball on and actually put in some decent balls into the box. So it was almost of the three of them, if you say Matip, 
Gomez and Trent. Trent was probably the one who was most under pressure because the idea of the maybe the change that happened where Matip comes on and Trent goes off and Gomez goes out wide. I think we can be seeing that a lot more. If teams do get to Trent and they are starting to think, well, maybe he does need to come off, he might be the one that's most vulnerable. So the Trent, the Trent thing's really interesting because he got done a couple of times early in the first half, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And it's whether, and I don't know whether it's be down to the manager or the player himself, but you do wonder how he adjusts to that if he gets targeted. It, it, it basically, the, the, if, if the way to play Trent, if the opposition is saying, right, the way to play against Trent is to pin him back and attack him <laughs> to stop him coming forward. And I think that, that also plays into the, the argument with playing Joe Gomez at centre-half inside him. So if he does get done, you do have that you do have that, that pace there to, to, to cover him a little bit mm-hmm. that maybe Matip hasn't well, got. Trent, Trent has that thing in him, doesn't he? And it, this is why he'd... I'm not having a go with him, by no, the way. No, 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 I know you're not. And I think that just sticking up for him in, in the sense of how he, he might, this might happen to him. That happened when we played City last time with Sani. And it was like, all right then, lad, yeah, watch mm-hmm. this. And he pulls out a defensive performance. Mm-hmm. That is reminiscent of when Gerard played right back at times where you're a bit like, all right, this isn't his position, but what's he going to do when he's getting a toe on and he's stopping him and he's cutting the ball out and he's just doing his job very well. And I think, because so, we forget because he's so young, there's almost a bit of him that's going to say, well, Lads, I can defend, you know. The only reason I don't is because I'm masked to attack. But if you're going to now target me at right back, watch what I can do. I think there's there's definitely something in, in what Jay says there, Neil. I, I do wonder if you might see a little bit of Gomez right back away from home in certain, in certain games. But I do think that with, you know, what Gomez offers in terms of... Because we can just say it's just pace. It's not just pace. He's also reading the game. He's like, there's a couple of them where he's absolutely motoring almost two phases of play before someone gets in. And that's one of the reasons why he's going to full pelt. And I think that that's that idea of... It's the old Carragher thing that and maybe that is a slight difference between Gomez and Alexander-Arnold is is that Gomez is thinking, how can this go wrong? Where do I need to be? A little bit more. And it's only a tiny little bit. It's yeah. a little bit of emphasis, but there's a little bit more of, I'm going to have to fight a fire in a, here in a minute. I've already got a book as a water. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's natural defender. I love that, by the way. Natural defender, <laughs> yeah. Um, he's also he's also much better near as well, which is which is you know not not the first quality Liverpool will look for, but it's not one that they'll they'll ignore in certain games. You know, if Burnley are going to play with full, uh, forwards, because I think that you will see a lot of that. You'll, I think you'll see forwards getting as far out of Van Dijk's path as you can get, and they'll start hitting diagonals out to the to the full backs to try and win headers and commit midfielders into into winning the second ball. But Gomez is a centre half by height. Trent's if, if I was saying the, the one area Trent really, really needs to work on, it's definitely his heading. He, he, I, I, I never feel comfortable with Trent going up for, for with anyone in the air, even a Sterling or, or someone like that. He's not. Well, Sterling did a little Suarez on him yesterday and leave them off and get yeah. on that left, left yeah, into his second. Need, or he just needs to learn to trust his body a little bit more and, and, and get his time. And I think, but, but that's that's one area that I think Gomez will 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 have over him in, in the the, the full back um, stakes. Don't forget, you got Keanu Hoover there as well. Who looked in in the uh, in pre season? Who looked like. It won't be long before people are talking about him as, as as being a potential option to play any of the the defensive positions. So, as Andy says, an embarrassment to riches, not quite, you know, but not a, not a bad set of options all the same. Um, last little thing is the substitutes. Tomorrow, interesting that we use more. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't seem that eager. You'd no think Aguero, that yeah. no Aguero. Maybe that's because a few lads are returning with legs. Maybe it's because he, that's what Guardiola wanted. He wanted to play it like we only we only make three subs, uh, like a Premier League game. That yeah. he maybe he wanted to get put that experience into his players. But the one thing to say, Kite has already been praised. Uh, Lallana's already been praised. Shakiri and Oxlade Chamberlain come on as well. 
And all of a sudden, we have been talking a lot about this squad, but all of a sudden there, it occurred to me that you've had, you've had three starting midfielders there. You brought those four on, who, who in my mind, I would still describe more as midfielders than forwards. Yeah. It's a lot of depth. It is a lot of depth. And the idea of being able to have enough of them to plan for every single eventuality, like you say, Neil, if we're going up against a more physical side, well, okay, we can get the bigger lads in there. Or if we're going up against a team, we're going to sit back. We want to have someone who's going to have more dribbling ability. And we can literally mix and match if we want. And everyone has become more comfortable playing alongside everyone. I think Fabinho, it took his time. Sometimes if he was playing with certain players, he wouldn't quite know their their um their characteristics and their mannerisms on the pitch. I think we've got to a stage now where everyone knows what everyone wants to do and is trying to do in those situations. I just hope that we don't get to a situation where we're halfway through the season and two, three, maybe even four of those have got injured and we don't have those options again and then we're having to kind of overwork certain people. As I say, we can't plan for that because we don't know if it's going to happen. We hope it doesn't happen. But as it stands at the moment, we've got a lot of people who can come on and influence the game in different ways from midfield. Before before we wrap up on the, on the game, can we talk about Naby Keita? Yeah, definitely. I thought I would I want to say well, I would say I thought he was sensational. I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was the player that we thought we, we were going to have. And it's, there's been a lot of talk over the summer about Liverpool needs to sign this player, sign that player. We all know how excited I think that they've gone on record by saying that the numbers that Keita was doing before we signed them. You know, Edward Michael Edwards apparently was desperate to get him in because of what he can do. And I think it was, um, I think it was unfortunate last season. I think it was, he started really well. Uh, I think it was um, Palace away. He was great at Palace away. Palace yeah. away, mm-hmm. and then he just kind of got a little bit disrupted. And we've we've seen it so many times at this Liverpool side where players don't automatically just. <clears throat> he played well at Tottenham as well. Spurs as well. I mean, we look at people talk about Fabinho. As an, as an integral part of that midfield, but people forget he was struggling up yeah. around November, yeah. December time. Oxide Chamberlain, when he first came in, mm-hmm. didn't immediately set the world on fire. And I think, I wouldn't say we've got much of a muchness in midfield, but you can always swap Henderson for Mill and the blah, blah, blah. I think Keita there is in a kind of unique situation in so much as that he has a particular set of skills that the other midfielders don't have. Mm. And I think, you know, if he, if he gets a good start, we could see, we could really see the best start this season. Because um, he was really good. Really, really bright. And he, and he commits players as well. Yeah, yeah, he's very, very dynamic. I think the other thing as well to point out, Jay, is, as Neil alluded to to a point with Gomez at right back, one of the things that hit me watching that game is, and it reminded me of sort of having conversations about you know Chelsea a decade ago and all of this sort yeah. of stuff. Liverpool are a big set of lads. Liverpool are physically impressive, and you know the number of times I'll see a side, I've seen a side come out at Anfield or away from home and go, "Oh God, uh, this is serious." <laughs> There's, you know, Liverpool can quite easily field, you know, Matip, Van Dijk, Gomez, Fabinho, Henderson. For me, you know, Mane is a physical, physically impressive. He's very, very good at the air. Very, immensely very strong. Even if you don't think of height, we're immensely strong um, as a team. It's, it's, it's hard yeah. to think. Yeah, I'd love to see them all have a scrap one day. By the way, <laughs> like just start smashing the team. But there's, there's a thing where. None of them players you feel like are going to have three off the ball. None of them players you feel like aren't going to be able to, you know, all the physicalness of running and stuff like that. But, you know, they're strong. They, they, they will hold players off them. Um, and they back their ability as well. And I think that's a, a thing in lots of our players. You talk about Keiter and, you know, think of Chamberlain maybe the same as well. If they, they're the ones that are going to run with the ball, if they run into trouble, they're not just going to lose the ball. They're going to shield it. They're going to then sign play and pass off. And I think there's a. The, 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 the team looks and the squad. Looks the most rounded that's been in a long time. Whether that's just through development in the past year, players back from injuries, you know, I do. 
you know, going to think we want to transfer, but I do appreciate the problem Liverpool have. They have an elite level club problem now where you have to, you know, if you've got to sign a player, they've got to really fit at a certain level in a certain position at a certain moment in time. That's a hell of an ask yeah. because the, the squad is there. We've seen that yesterday, you know, I think whatever we think of that game yesterday, Liverpool competing against and, you know, toe for toe, pretty equal like we were last season against the team that most of us would regard as being the best in the league. That's not a bad, you know, par to be at this with, point. Without Milner, Mane, and with some of the young players, Hoover, Brewster, Wilson, not in the squad, full stop, we're in the squad. So I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to say, oh, squad's great, because come November when Milner's <laughs> broken down and Kate's broken <laughs> down and Shaqiri's broken, you know, but it's not bad to see you. It's not bad to see, you know, like, People going about Liverpool as if like oh you know if we were two injuries and, and and the whole thing collapses it doesn't you know it, it's it's just a little bit of luck with keep with certain players isn't it you Argu- you know? arguably the goalkeeper Van Dijk and Salah and yeah. you feel as though the rest of it that you could yeah. you could you could get a pathway around I mean I think Mane was brilliant last season don't get me wrong yeah. but I think I wouldn't fancy Robertson going down for a long period fair of time as well yeah. Yeah. but but that's because it's a specialist position as well you sort of you need a left foot for for, for a long period but. It's a good. It's a good squad, you know. If you if you're worse midfielders, Adam Lallana, you know, take that. Certainly, when you've got eight of them. Yeah, when you've got eight of them. Okay, we're going to move on. I'm going to have a chat about the Liverpool trademarking issue that's come over the last couple of weeks. I'm going to read out Peter Moore's Twitter thread, uh, which I thought was interesting uh, midweek. He said it started here. Uh, I know a lot of people are on Twitter, by the way. And just in general, I think that we often talk, uh, not just the Anfield rap, but I think across a lot of society at the minute, we often talk about Twitter like, well, if you're not on it, you know where. That's not the case. Uh, I'm, I think we should all be careful around that. But anyway, Peter Moore, I met with City Liverpool FC to discuss the club's application to register Liverpool in a football context for goods and services. We're trying to protect Liverpool against large-scale counterfeiting operations and we're not in any way trying to target small businesses and clubs. The context of this application is very important. The club is not and would not seek a monopoly over the word Liverpool across the board. We understand the roots of this great city and the importance of amateur football clubs. We have positive discussions with City Liverpool FC and will now develop a legally bonding agreement with Liverpool, with LFC, uh, that allows them to continue their great work. We're under attack from large-scale manufacturing. We must protect the global revenues to invest in players and infrastructure. Other community football clubs use that word Liverpool and do not have anything to worry about. I've made those reassurances and repeated today. We also met with local independent retailers. We had a positive and constructive meeting, reiterated the context of our application, uh, which is not about local traders. It is about large-scale operations that are flooding the market. There's only two more of these people. We are under attack from large-scale manufacturing and want to protect the global revenues to invest in players and infrastructure. We've agreed to continue discussions uh, with a view to to find solutions to concerns raised. Uh, We have previously trademarked six times to protect ourselves and fans from counterfeits. Uh, We have applied to trademark LALALA after a trader attempted to register it to protect ourselves and fans. We did likewise. Their application was refused, and as a result, we withdrew ours. Uh, Jay McKenna, I think a lot of what Peter Moore says there is perfectly fair, perfectly reasonable. Um, I disagree with a fair bit of it. Yeah, I think this is one of the really, this is one of those cases, isn't it? I've sort of followed this as someone not directly involved, but you know, understands the workings of this. Then, in a perfect world, in a vacuum, all of this is great. It's a bit like not signing players in a perfect world, and in a vacuum, Liverpool don't need to sign any players this summer. But as Neil said before, in November, when Mo Salah goes down and he's out for four weeks, suddenly it's the worst decision in the world that Liverpool didn't sign a forward for any amount of money. And this is one of those Liverpool will have sat there and thought somebody or a department will have sat there and thought we have an issue here where our name is being misused on low quality goods low standard goods that, that that might generate a lot of money or a little amount of money and we either want to protect our image or we want to protect our revenues because maybe Adidas are saying well we're not going to sponsor we're not going to make your kit for under a million pound a year 
if they're making 10 million off it, we want that 10 in our 100 million. So there's a there's a discussion gone on somewhere, probably a reasonable and understandable discussion. What hasn't been factored in is to what that looks like and feels like to lots of people. And I think that's the bit where there's a mistake. And part of the problem, and I think carefully, I mean this with the best of intentions to lots of people, but we, we discussed it before we came on area. Lots of people, and I've got to a bit on the subscribers group, but some people who were saying, well, this is a sensible business decision. It is. And Liverpool Football Club should be run as a business, run like a business, run well. But it isn't just a business. If we try and apply rational thought and and themes to this, none of us would go and watch millionaires kick a ball around in Wembley for, for 90 minutes. So, you know, you've got to think of this. And, and I just don't think it's been thought out, plays out, because how it touches people in the city be with that things they buy and things that products they want or other you know things like City of Liverpool and South Liverpool and various other clubs that might call themselves Liverpool you know they would be affected by this and lots of people very early in this debate were like no they won't you don't understand trademarks and as it is Peter Moore is talking about signing up some kind of legally binding agreement that says these people can use this which indicates they were entirely right to be concerned about how this might use because this isn't just about Peter Moore just to finish this isn't just about Peter Moore and exactly. FSG this trademark will exist in perpetuity, obviously, the word. So somebody else is going to be affected by this down the line. Where sa- saying we're sound, mind. saying we're sound doesn't mean, I mean, firstly, it doesn't mean that you are sound, but let's even allow that at face value for a second. Saying we're sound doesn't mean that all future ownership slash CEOs of Liverpool Football Club will be sound. That's the reality. Hey, of this you don't chase. get to let me come on the Anfield rap and do or say what I want because the Anfield rap won't always, you know, just because you're here now doesn't mean, you know, you might not be here in 10 years' time. You've got to think to yourself, well, what decisions might I make now that affect someone else down the line? How does this shape, you know, yeah. the Anfield rap down custodians, the line? Custodians, just custodians of, of the club. Yeah, the custodians, yeah. absolutely. That's, that's and I think it's just... What 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 really concerns me most of all is just how this hasn't been thought. This could be a problem. That's that's yeah. the bit that concerns me most. So did this what you've said and what Peter Moore said online is absolutely reasonable. I think that's fair to say. But then the situation they've got themselves into, and not for the first time, hmm. time and time again. Just so what what they did last week when they, when and it, it's public knowledge because it's all in there when they called City of Liverpool in when they called. It, uh, a few went in, yeah, a few yeah. and a couple of the, 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 the lads who do the, the, the merch went in. That's fine, but why weren't they called in before they applied for these trademarks? Why, where was the conversation there? Instead of having to explain after the fact, prepare people. You know, don't be don't be reactive. Be proactive. It's not like they don't know these people exist. They know where they are. They've been there forever and ever. It's not like they haven't had discussions with. We've seen Peter Moore in McDean's shop before at Scarf Badge, before. And it's the way they go about it. So they apply for these trademarks. They don't tell anyone. It's they get caught out. Someone sees this on yeah. co- on on the company's house or whatever it is. Goes hang on a minute. So the question is, and I'm not I'm not questioning Peter Moore's integrity or the club's integrity, but had this not been found out, and these trademarks actually successfully applied for within no. that period, would we be having this discussion now? No. Probably not. And it doesn't. The club spend loads of money and put loads of effort and we know people inside the club trying to build goodwill trying to build trust and God knows over the past two I mean we, we've all had experience this over the last 10-15 years and that takes effort and it also takes integrity and I think there is integrity there but then all of that they do something like this and then it's got it, you know they shoot themselves in the foot time and time again I'll give you the prime example sorry I'll give you the prime example the thing with Melwood now whether I agree or disagree personally with what's going on 
they they they're going to sell the get rid of the Melwoods and they give it to a social house a, 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 a company that deals with social housing. They haven't sold it to Redrow, yeah. so I think of all the the outcomes, it's probably one of the more favourable ones. Now take that in isolation when the trademark thing hasn't happened, and there's a lot more. I won't say sympathy, but there's a bit more understanding. But because they've got everyone's backs up and they're confirming everyone's worst fears, it's kind of like, say, I told you what they're like. Yeah. And people can't wait to have a dig. So then immediately, because of the trademark things going on, people are looking to kick them about the the, the Melbourne thing. I'm not saying that's right, but they, they've just got to be conscious of these things. It's so they're bloody frustrating. And I, and I just think sometimes that you have departments in Liverpool. <clears throat> it's easy to forget. Sorry, Neil. It's easy to forget how, how we're kind of isolated. Liverpool is massive. It's a multi-billion pound company. It's all on a business level. And it's easy to... I think the working silo... It's a usual quote. I think that there's, there's a degree of working in silos. It's People think of Liverpool Football Club as just as Anfield. It's not. There's an office in Chapel Street. There's an office in London. There's, you've got the Boston angle. And you, this just smacks of maybe not... A communicate internal communications yeah. issue that could have been dealt with so much better than what it has done. Yeah, sorry, sorry, spot on, Andy. What what he said there, it's it's a communication thing. Look, I'll go back to four years ago when Klopp had just taken over the Echo. Liverpool played four games in a row away over Christmas. They played Sunderland, West Ham, Exeter, and Stoke in four four successive games. 20, 20, yeah. 28th of December to the fifth of January, I think it was. Yeah. So to the column said, "Come on, there's going to be people who are going to all four. Put some coaches on, get them, get them there. Christmas tough time. Liverpool weren't happy about it. Why are you writing that? Well, that's what I believe in. It's a column, you know. I think that's the right thing to do. Go away, and you come back with a with a statement to the Echo saying we're going to put coaches on a cost price. There you go. We're going to put coaches on a cost price, and." I wrote a, I wrote a follow up article saying I'd be messing, you know. I'd be messing. Like, what, what a that's that's how that's how some people at the club think. But the trouble is, or the, or the good thing is, since then a lot of a lot of them those people who think like that have been either protected by people who don't think like that or, or pushed out. Essentially, yeah. we, we can all think of of one very big example of, of that. Yeah. But. The trouble is that when it when it goes into different departments and when it goes into departments where it's not Chapel Street just thinking about it or it's not Melwood just thinking about it, that the voices of reason aren't in the room. They're not in the room, they're not in the conversation, and they're not in it until it's too late, until mm-hmm. the message gets out and you need you need someone who's sensible and got their head screwed on and knows what the media are like and knows what Twitter's like to go, shouldn't have done that, you know. More than me then, Jay. I think for the most part uh, as a business, they have been good at recognising when they've made mistakes and walking back on it. The problem is, is that when you're a business and you've owned it for, what, seven, eight years, you should start to recognise the times and stop that before it happens, like you guys have said. One of the things that I always think about this is that they're very keen to kind of put across this image as being, we, we, we do want to listen, we are different to other owners we aren't just going to be here to dismiss you and all of that kind of stuff and it's almost like they're trying to build up that goodwill like Andy said but they're not recognizing that that's an ongoing process they feel like we've done this so what we don't have to worry about the goodwill element anymore because we've done x y and z it's like no you have to be kept accountable for every decision you make ongoing 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 and the worlds that they're used to 
they're not used to that. They're used to it, like you say, you do your PR exercise, you do the little bit to make people think that you care, and then you get on with doing whatever it is that you have to do for your business to get to the top. But when you're dealing with football clubs, when you're dealing with sports, and they would have the same situation if they tried anything on the Boston Red Sox fans, I guarantee you that much. So the idea that they're not used to it anymore doesn't wash. The idea that they didn't know that this would be the reaction probably doesn't wash either because... Again, kind of like what Jay was saying before, the idea of having someone in the room when you make those decisions and the difference between that and then having someone who you ask, a consultant, that's the difference. If you're you're going out to ask a consultant, you're only doing it at these certain times when you think it's important. If you've got someone in the room, they tell you at the times when it's important. Jay, you and I are in, a priv- we have a voice of privilege and we need to acknowledge that. And this is part of what worries me about some of this language in that, Firstly, what does or doesn't constitute a local trader? Is Chester local? Is St. Helens local? Is Nosley local? Uh, is it basically we're saying the ones who we currently know, they're all sound, but anyone who yeah. wants to... A 22-year-old lad who's mates with none of us. The Anfield rap sound, yeah. but, on, but the next Liverpool podcast isn't. Exactly, where, that's what I mean by privilege here. You know, the, yeah. a 22 I'm year sound old, with that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> a 22-year-old lad who's not got the connections, who doesn't know, who doesn't have my phone number or your phone number, who's sitting in Chester, is he sufficiently local? Yes, Will he sound. be protected through this? That yeah. this is, you know, and he can be trying to add to the cultural cap of this football club which is a brilliant one or she yep sorry he, he, he could be shaping the cultural capsule he could be the next Jamie Webster he could be the next boss knight exactly and so what, what this is what worries me with all of this is that you end up in a position where I you know Andy might want to close shop I'm sure he's only messing I don't want to close shop and I think that we've got to be you know we've got to be aware that in a 21st century sense here when you follow this through as I say it's all perfectly reasonable and I'm, I'm, I'm not questioning its face value but what I'm saying here is how does the next 21 year old who's got something to add to all of this suddenly find themselves in a position where they just don't know the right people and their concerns get knocked asunder. Well, this is exactly what happens because the next person on this gets caught because what happens is the next chief executive or even the current chief executive goes, well, we haven't got an agreement with you. You can't sell this. And all of us can jump up and down all we want, but we never hear about that kid. We never hear about that company Mm -hmm. because... They get a letter off a Liverpool legal department. Now, I know exactly what this tactic is because I've seen Liverpool do this and all the band supporters. Everyone needs to think, this isn't like a mistake. That's just a, a thing that happens. This is a cultural thing about how these corporations behave. Liverpool cast a wide net to catch people who are doing ticketing offences. Now, that's a very important thing, but they cast a wide net. And a phrase that someone at Liverpool used was, well, you know, sometimes when we catch a few sharks, we're going to catch a few dolphins as well. This is what Liverpool will be doing with something like this. To cast to catch a few people who are doing something wrong, they've thrown a very, very wide net. And what's really as I say, what's really concerning is they haven't thought how this plays out. This isn't in isolation. You can't sit there and say, well, this is a decision about trademark and so it doesn't affect supporters. Because your your people you will sell these things to are supporters. They are people who you tell them this means more and that they belong and that we're a family. You can't pick and choose then what matters to them. You know, I can't say to my mum, you shouldn't care where I live because, you know, I don't live with you anymore. But, you know, you're my mum, so can you lend me, you know, some money for this? I can't pick and choose where that relationship is. And I just think the, the because they probably don't agree it's an issue, they haven't thought it through. And also I think there's an element where they just haven't thought, well, you know, well, supporters haven't been asked about this, so why would we need to liaise with them? Mo, Mo said that before. You know, you've done it, Neil, in the past. I, I've done it recently, Neil. You've probably done it just having conversations with, with people at the club. Is when they talk about something, you've thought, 
have you, have you thought yeah. how that's going to play out? And it's a right, it's the right thing for you to do. I I understand why you want to do it, but your message might be a bit off. You know, if Liverpool had done this and said, "We've got an issue with trademark and we want as much money on the pitch," but you know. It, it might mean that some people get upset and we need to think about how this could affect you. Go and speak to those people. Go and yeah. sp- speak to Mick. Go and speak to Jockey at Transalpino. Go and speak to you. Peter Moore's timeline should have been two months ago, shouldn't it? Yeah, Peter Moore's yeah. timeline should have been two months ago. It's also, there's, a, and there's another very basic optics in this tweet. Peter Moore, <laughs> when everybody is literally replying to every single Liverpool tweet saying, someone says, we need all this money to sign players on the pitch. Sam, make the words, trademark Liverpool to Kingdom Come if you're going to go and sign Lionel Messi, <laughs> but you're not. So stop saying it like we're stupid. And that, that's, there's a frustration in this. Is it's like it goes back to the very lazy thinking inside football and elsewhere that we're just football supporters. They are listening to this now. Lots of them, the smart ones aren't, but lots of them are probably just thinking that's a half dozen lads in a room talking about football. They're not thinking Neil Jones, journalist, has got a spot and a place to talk about this. They're not thinking about the Anfield rap influencing loads of people. And it's it's this thing, and I'm genuinely fed up of it from supporters. You know, supporters saying it's supporters, but also, you know, the club. You know, well, you shouldn't have put that statement out, or you shouldn't think that we're trying to do this negative thing, as if like we're the stupid ones. You know, as if like as a load of volunteers, as just supporters, you give you our money. We're the ones that are expected to give you the benefit of the doubt. There's people inside Liverpool who are paid tens of thousands of pounds a year to just do the PR let alone to make these kinds of decisions, let alone to make this football club the biggest and the best it can be in the world. And I, unpaid, could have sat there and said this to them, this might cause you this problem, you know. And I'm astonished that they're given the benefit of that when they're paid to sit and think about this all day and we're just meant to sit there and go, oh, well, he didn't mean it, you know. I mean, there is another another side to this and I, I totally agree. And they're highly paid as well, I'm sure. A lot of this trademark and things come down from somebody who's paid far more money than I'll ever earn, who works down in London, who's an IP lawyer, who thinks, you know, and, you know, in a, in a, in a legitimate business, it's appropriate, you know, you should protect yourself. But, got to caveat that with a lot of what Liverpool do, a lot of what Liverpool push themselves when they're marketing themselves has been appropriated from these supporters. Exactly. That they're now, you know, they're trying to they're, they're clamp down on. So you look at, I mean, I, I can see the argument. In, if you didn't understand Liverpool, I can understand the argument. We've got hundreds of thousands of people in Madrid. They're buying T-shirts that aren't manufactured by the club. But the lads who wear these T-shirts, who buy T-shirts, they're not going to buy them from the club anyway. Yeah. It's not as if. And we have this this argument about about content as well, where just because they're spending 30 quid in hat scarf badge, that doesn't mean they're, not, they're taking up 30 quid from the official Liverpool store. They're not. Yeah. Because these fellas aren't going to buy it. It's a cultural thing. And then to take that and market it, and this this means more is absolutely spot on. Mm-hmm. When they're sending these marketing videos to Adidas, to Nike, to New Balance or whatever, and th- there's a reason the cop, Jay, we, me and you spoke about this, with the cop, and they put the frame yeah, around the cop. Yeah. They put the frame around yep. the cop because they know people are going to take photographs of that. So, so, sorry, just to come back in there quick on this. You know, and there's two things that play in this, and that this is the, this is the nub of it for me. If this is a mistake, own it as a mistake. Come out and say, you know what, we made a mistake, we didn't think it through, it wasn't intended to be the way it was, we're going to invite you in to sit down. Instead, the only reason anyone knows in that meeting is because Spirit of Shankly, the City of Liverpool and a few others said to, said to Peter Moore, this isn't on and we're not having it. So they call them into a meeting, that should have been step one anyway. Mm-hmm. Liverpool should have been publicising that themselves then. Liverpool should have said, you know what, we hear you. We understand. And instead, the only reason Peter Moore tweets is because City of Liverpool put a statement out and that's not a thing. Because he's had to. But, well, exactly, the force to do it. But there's a, there's another frustration I have with this. 
And it's a bit about that if even if you genuinely believe Liverpool are right to do this, even if you genuinely believe that every single because Liverpool have this attitude that every pound they've got is theirs and they've earned it. But every pound that's out there being made on the back of their name is theirs. They believe they've got this wider pool of like, like an extended wallet where they think it's all of theirs. And they want to monopolise all that. You know what? You know if we were getting it back, sound? You know, Flip Pill said, we're going to clamp down on every single one of these revenue streams that we should have. I'm going to give you a bit of it back. I'm going to make tickets £30 and we're going to do this. I'm going to get all these kids in the ground and we're going to have a 90,000-seater stadium. I'd go, you know what? All right, I don't like it, but I'd do it. But you know what? They don't. They then want, they want every pound. It's a greed thing. And that, 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 I think, for me, is the bit where you think, well, if that's your intention, you haven't really articulated that very well either. All right, uh, the Anfield app does not have a position. Uh, it sounds like it right now because the five of us agree with each other, but the Anfield app does not have a position. We've got over 100 contributors who all think different things about this and about many, many different matters. Also, I will point out this show was booked last week and written last night uh, as this is what we talk about, although I was planning on talking about this on a show at some point in the next sort of 10 days. Uh, very, can, I, very... can I just say, I don't question anyone's sincerity at Liverpool. The, 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 no, the, no. The, the leaders at Liverpool, I don't doubt their sincerity whatsoever. No, no, and I don't think that's what, that, that shouldn't have come through from this. Uh, lastly, for me, uh, and solely for me, your Cultural capital is our own, and if you want us at our best, and good Lord, you've had us at our best across the last two years or so, then you have to accept things like this. There's lots of ways in this means more. Liverpool Football Club is not, say, the same as Tottenham Hotspur, and occasionally that does come with a little bit of a price, and that might also include the last 20 minutes of this podcast. Listen, let's do transfers, and let's do, uh, very quickly, Neil Jones, because you're here. Sorry, mate. Uh, Side make goes, and it looks like Adrian comes in, and you're not expecting anything else. No, I don't think so. No, um, I know. I'll be surprised. Bad news, Jonesy. Not really. Not really Liverpool's thing, is it? I don't think Klopp's thing. Late, late deals. There was Oxlade Chamberlain, wasn't there? But they yeah. were pursuing him for ages. Yeah, I mean that was. I think that was. Was that also depending on Arsenal getting a couple of couple of targets as well? Um, I was a bit surprised. Mignolet went so late in the, the window. I thought if he was going to go, I thought he'd have gone June, July. Um, but I guess a couple of injuries to goalies meant they needed. They needed someone for the tour. Obviously, they got Andy Lonergan in for the tour, so they, they obviously were short. But um, it's not much of a not much of a downgrade, I don't think, in terms of experience, in terms of what the, the sub goal you're going to expect. May's actually suits a little bit more in terms of style of play. Uh, I like him, by the way. Takes I think a good he, pen. It takes a good <laughs> pen. I like him. He's a, he's he, I, 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 he saw off two other keepers before Fabianski at West Ham. I think yeah. they tried to replace him twice and he fought his way back he's got, in. He's got a bit of arrogance about him, what yeah. I remember of him. Like, he's got a bit of sort of fancies himself, doesn't he? I think. I also think, did he have a really good penalty saving record as well? Yes. Uh, Adjan was one of those players. So, he, um, yeah, it's, look, it's a free transfer. You know, he's, he's, he's available. It's not, it's not going to change the world at Liverpool. But I think we should probably say, you know, I know, that, I know there won't be a great deal of goodwill towards Sammy Labour. Let, let's, let's, Let's say farewell to you, and you know, thanks, six year Liverpool career, six years, two hundred games, and never anything less than a hundred percent commitment to Liverpool. I was saying, we were saying on Talking Reds, like you know, if you serendipity had gone the other way, you could have left with four major trophies, three European, two European trophies, two Premier League titles. So you look at it that way, and you think, well, he was close to having a fantastic career. I don't think there's any doubt that we've replaced him and upgraded. <laughs> but the, 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 I think the funny thing about this all summer has been like Neil was saying he was surprised it happened so late we've not really heard about anyone coming in from have we I mean we've had the sagas with Lovren regarding AC Milan and even Roma a little bit 
but there's been no one who's been willing to stick their head above the parapet and say, we want Simon Mignolet. Now, that might have happened before. And like you said, Klopp was of the opinion of like, we need you for now. We'll do this deal later. In. Or it could be that they just got to the point where they didn't really meet Liverpool's valuation. But again, Klopp values the services put in and said, look, OK, we're willing to take a hit of like the uh, maybe three quarters of a mil on this to be able to get you to go off and play. The club, the club have done well on it. Actually, if you think about it, if Adrian's coming in on a free, and I agree with Neil, I, I think he's a decent keeper. He's, he's more than capable, of second choice. But if we've got six to eight million from England, Adrian's coming on a free, then you know, on the balance sheet, doesn't look too bad either, does it? Oh, well, yeah, on the balance sheet, that's pure profit because whatever we pay for Mignolet is now long gone after books, according to the amortisation, etc. But um, yeah. no, I mean, bar Rooney doing him from the halfway line, I think he's a uh, he's more than capable. He's played well against us a few times actually. Um, yeah, no, Dan, I think stylistically, I think he's closer to Alisson than more. And he wants to, you know, you, can't, you know, just on that professional point of view, he wants to go and play football. The lad sat on the bench and he's been a good professional in the last year. He hasn't kicked I've up no us. Mm. Been massively, you know, f- you know, supportive of the players and, and projecting that image on social media and stuff like that. So, you know, I think fair play to him. You wouldn't be surprised to see that this move maybe was planned in June, July and that Liverpool, you know, sort of said to him, well, can you give us a bit of time? Yeah. And he hasn't, you know, it must have been planned for them to get straight off from Wembley and fly straight there. You know, I don't think Bruce <laughs> done a deal that quick, so you know, fair play to him. Uh, yeah, indeed, play must have been booked, Jay. Got to check in, haven't you, these days online, a couple of days before. Uh, don't forget, Don O'Neill in London, so you could have got just the other confer- stuff. Liverpool just confirming your lazy exit, by the way. Uh, excellent stuff. Live during the show. Live, go. good on you. It's a shame it's not coming out till four o'clock. It's all news now, Neil, in a 24-hour news cycle. Listen, thank you very much indeed. It's been a cracking show, really enjoyed it. It's great to have the season back. Neil Jones, Andy Heaton, Mo Stewart, Jane McKenna. It's the Anfield Wrap. Podcast Network.